Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. Welcome to New Hope Church. Welcome to the movement. So very glad you folks are here today. want to give a warm shout out and welcome to our campuses. Of course, I'm talking about the Garner Campus, Sanford Campus, Raleigh Campus, Columbia Campus, Hillsboro Campus, North Raleigh Campus, the Kenya Campus, which we'll talk about a little bit later today, but you should know that the Kenya Campus is experiencing revival right now. And I mean like packing it out, and uh, God's just doing a great thing there. Coffee House Campus. NCCIW, Daughters of the King campus, and of course, last but not least, the Durham campus. We are glad, glad all of you are with us at all of our locations. I'm glad you're here. I've, uh, I've longed to be with you as um, my family's been on vacation for a few weeks, and uh, like you this past week, uh, my heart was ripped open and broken in light of the events unfolding in our nation. And uh, even though I was with blood family, um, I just kept longing to be with you, my church family. And uh, because I believe it's in times like this that we should come together, that we should pray that we should uh, lean in and discern the voice of God as best as we possibly can. I am blown away by the way in which God had us in chapter 13 of the story and Solomon and wisdom, which I will talk about in just a moment. But we are in desperate need of godly wisdom. As a nation, we are in desperate need of godly wisdom. I believe we are on the brink of either coming together or coming apart at the seams as a nation. And I'm not just talking about the events of last week, though that's definitely a part of it. But as I look at the political landscape ahead of us, and I look at world affairs, and I look at what's happening in the United States of America, which traditionally has led the way in integrity and morality and godly wisdom, I find myself deeply, deeply concerned. And uh, I just wanted to be with you in the midst of that because um, you're my blood family too. We are kindred, uh, blood, blood kindred, if you will. And I'm talking about the blood of Jesus Christ that that come on now, that brings us all together. And uh, I thought what we would do today, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it a little bit at the end. I don't, I don't know where I'm going today. Um, I've got a message that I've prepared, but I'm probably not going to hit most of it because I'm going to go where very few people go. And I'm going to talk with you about race in America. And... Um, very few people in the church, I should say. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it, by the way, just to cut on any, any news network. But very few people in the church talk about it. And I believe that's a huge mistake. Because if we can't talk about it in the church, then uh, what, what are we left with, right? What, what, how, how, do, how, do we, how do we navigate what we're up against as a nation? But so I thought what we would do in the very beginning, though, is um, just have a moment of prayer and silence in honor of the two civilians who were murdered this week, one in Baton Rouge and one in Missouri. Um, and then I thought we would also have a moment of prayer for the five officers that were shot down as well. And um, I'm just going to ask you at all of our campus locations to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to read off these names. And you're, you're followers of Christ. You know Christ, most of you. If you don't, I'm so glad you're here today. 
But I want you to pray. I want us to pray as a church collectively and silently that we would just charge heaven today with our prayers. Father, we remember. We remember, we honor, we pray for Philando Castile and Alton Sterling. Father, we saw something this week that we don't see often. We don't see the final seconds of death often. And it wrecked us, God. These are men made in your image. These are not simple hashtags that we can throw on a tweet somewhere. These are men with children and spouses and moms and dads. So we remember Philando and Alton. Father God, we remember and pray for the five officers who were ambushed in Dallas as they tried their best to protect the very ones who were protesting peaceably. Brent Thompson. Patrick Zamaripa. Michael Kroll. Michael Smith and Lorne Ahrens. God, we pray for their spouses. We pray for their parents. We pray for their siblings. We pray for their children. Pray whatever on your heart today in this moment. Just Commune with your God and pray for our nation. Father, we pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who came to bring heaven to earth. That we might bring earth to heaven. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together as a community of faith. Saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. So if you're new around here. We are in a series called The Story. We're moving from Genesis to Revelation. We're studying the big events and themes of the Bible. And if you have not picked up your resource, the story, which is the Bible, basically, I just encourage you to go to the Resource Center and pick that up today. We've been journeying through this story, and we're in chapter 13. We're talking about King Solomon. Now, last week, we talked about King David and we're in a mini-series within the story called The Hunger Games. And last week, we saw the way in which the hunger for lust destroyed King David and his ministry. Now, he still had a powerful ministry, and he's still known as the man after God's own heart. But if you were here last week, you know that, that David lusted and had a major fall. Well, this is David's son, and his name is Solomon, the next king of Israel. And we read about his story in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 3 is where we're going to be camping out today. And we see that 
King Solomon's life had ups and downs as well. And here's the connective equivalent, if you will, that's most helpful for those of us in America today. Now, the Kenya campus, you might, uh, you might not relate to this as much, but I believe you are being westernized as well. And I'm not so sure that's good anymore, but we will see. But what we know about Americans is that if you ask most Americans, most of you in here, what is the purpose of your life? What are you striving for most in your life? The average American would say, oh, well, the purpose of life is to be happy. Most people frame their life, situate and position their life around the, the presuppositions or the conditions that can bring about happiness. This is how they're spending their resources. It's how they're living their lives. It's, it's how they're desiring to reach ultimately someday this, this eluding sense of happiness. And if you have that desire then most of you are just simply trying to satisfy it, regardless of whether you are aware of it or not. That is what we do. And that is exactly what Solomon tried to do. Solomon tried to fulfill this desire to be happy in all kinds of things. First, he, he sought out laughter. He sought out laughter. He, he thought happiness could be found in entertainment. So if he was here today, he would have been watching the comedy channel. Or maybe going back and watching some reruns of Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know. How many of you remember that one? It was a 24-7 thing. He tried, he tried comedy. He tried entertainment. But it didn't last. He tried drinking and partying. Now, some of you have been trying that way too long. Some of you tried that last night. And I'm glad you're here. And I pray that... Your conclusion and realization that that will not satisfy you will be expedited and you will understand very quickly that your happiness is not found at the end of a liquor bottle or drugs or whatever else you might be trying. He tried that and it didn't work. He, he tried great projects. Many of us get consumed with great projects. And that is what Solomon did. Building houses for himself and creating these parks and these vineyards. And he took it all up as kinds of hobbies, if you will. But guess what? It didn't. It didn't make him happy. He surrounded himself with servants of every kind. Every kind. That didn't make him happy either. He surrounded himself with all kinds of women. That didn't work either. Until he finally reached a point in his life where he looked around after he had tried everything to acquire happiness. And this was his response. It's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. I've tried it all and I can't find happiness in any of it. And then, interestingly enough... God communes with Solomon and says, ask me for whatever you want. Now, now, come on, come on. What would you answer if God said, hey, John, Bill, Steve, Jackie, Sue, Mary, ask me for whatever you want. What would you ask God for? Huh? What, what, be honest with yourself. I mean, don't, don't spiritualize. I know you're in church. Like, no, really, if God said, ask me for whatever you want, and the presupposition was that God was going to give it to you. Well, what would you answer? Open up your storybooks to page 176. 176 at the bottom of the page. 1 Kings 3, if you've got your Bible or your, your New Hope Church app, you can get from the app store, it's free, it's awesome. Or take out your teaching notes, open up your three-ring binders. I'm going to start with at Gibeon on page 176. 1 Kings 3, 6 through 9. If you're thankful for the word of God, let me hear an amen. amen. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Again, what would your answer be? Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David. 
Because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart, you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now the Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count on number. Now, you should remember Abraham when you hear that kind of stuff in the Bible, as numerous as the sands on a seashore. So give your servant, listen to this, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern the great people of yours? Now, now, come on, would that be your answer? God says, hey, tell me what you want. And would you say, Here, here's what I want, God. Give me a discerning heart. Give me a discerning heart to govern your people so that I might distinguish between right and wrong. Honestly, right now, show of hands, all of our campuses, how many of you would say that? How many of you might say, hey, how about a winning lottery ticket? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Right? Or a beach house. Or a mountain house. Or college education paid in full for all of my biscuit snatchers who have grown up. Oh, I got a, I got a parent of, over there who got excited about that. <laughs> Solomon could have asked for it all. And he said, here's what I want. I want a discerning heart. To be able to judge and distinguish between right and wrong. And look at what it says in 1 Kings 3, 10. Through 14. This will be on the screens for you. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. Interesting. <laughs> Both wealth and honor. So that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience, everybody say obedience. If you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So, so Solomon does the honorable, noble thing and asks for the discerning heart. And God says, hey, you passed the test. Now I'm going to give you what everybody else is wanting. And he blesses him and he gives Solomon. And did you notice that, that Solomon asked for discernment in administering justice? Everybody say justice. Justice. Again, I'm amazed at how this passage of Scripture matches up with where we are as a nation. And some of the things that I want to talk to you about, of which I'm noticing as I'm trying to teach the Word of God, that all of you are kind of on the edge of your seats waiting for me to go there. Stick with me for just a moment. Let's stay in the word for just a moment and we will go there. When Solomon asked for a discerning heart, write this down in your notes. In the Hebrew, it literally means a hearing heart. A what church? A hearing heart. He asked for a heart that was fully attuned to God's voice. This is what I believe we need as a church. A heart that is fully attuned to God's voice. A heart that is fully attuned to God's value system. That we might determine what is right and what is wrong and lead accordingly. We'll write this down as well. Wisdom is more about one's HQ. Now let me unpack that for you. One's heart quotient. Than it is IQ, one's intelligence quotient. Notice that Solomon asked for wisdom, but it was wisdom for a what? Discerning heart. Again, wisdom is more about your heart quotient than your intelligent quotient. Some of you would sit up here and say, well, I got an Ivy League education degree. I got two masters, three doctors, whatever. I do this, I do that. How's your heart, though? 
godly biblical wisdom is based upon a heart quotient and not just an intelligence quotient. And we desperately need that in our nation today. So there's just a few things I want to say, and then I want to talk about the subject at hand. I'm skipping over large amounts here, so you guys can just go to the nuggets. I want to talk to you about three nuggets of wisdom from the life of Solomon. Three nuggets of wisdom from the life of Solomon. You've got this in your teaching notes. What pleased God about Solomon's request is that he was more concerned about seeking God's resources for the sake of blessing others than blessing himself. Amen is right. See, when Solomon was asked by God, hey, what do you want me to give you? Solomon didn't think about feeding this insatiable appetite for the things of the flesh. Solomon thought about, how can I use my life and whatever you are going to give me, God, to bless others? Which leads me to ask this question. How much of what we are praying for these days is influenced not by our self-interest, but for the sake of glorifying God and serving others in our lives? This might cause some of us to just kind of do a prayer inventory. What, what are we praying for? What are we praying about? It's okay to pray about things you need and desire. And what I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that's all bad. But are you also praying about things that God can use you and give you so that you might bless others and glorify God? That's what Solomon did. That's heart quotient wisdom. Number two, Solomon didn't wait for a challenge to arise before he sought wisdom. Oh my, that's important. Some of us wait until we're in the middle of a crisis before we decide to pray for wisdom. Notice that Solomon chose to pray and ask for wisdom before he got in the midst of the heartache or the train wreck, if you will. When the prostitutes bring their dispute before Solomon, and you know what that's about. You read it. I skipped it in the sermon. But you also saw it on the video before the sermon. When the two prostitutes bring the, the child to Solomon, and one's dead and one's alive. Solomon had already prayed for the wisdom on how to handle that. See, when you pray for the wisdom and when you pray in advance, preemptively, proactively for the hardships that might come your way. God has a way of preparing you so that in the midst of it, you don't have to pray. You've already stored up wisdom. Notice that when the two prostitutes came to Solomon, Solomon didn't go, oh, time out, time out, time out, time out. I need to pray about this. He also didn't do what a lot of us do in prayer meetings. He also didn't gossip. You've been around somebody who wants to tell you about prayer requests and really all they're trying to do is gossip about somebody else. Solomon didn't say, okay, time out, let's pray. God, I won't tell you that I have two prostitutes right before me. God, they've been doing some, some shady stuff. No, 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 no. Solomon had the wisdom stored up. And then he executed it. Number three, when difficult challenges are brought before us, it allows us, it allows others to see God's presence and provision in our lives. Write it in, write in presence and provision. When difficult challenges are brought before us, it allows others to see God's presence and provision in our lives. When ancient Israel heard the verdict Solomon had given, they saw that he had godly wisdom to administer Here's the word that I referred to earlier, justice. He was in the difficult situation and he administered justice. How many of you have been to Stone Mountain in Georgia? Been to Stone Mountain in Georgia? I went, I went my, senior, my senior year high school, our senior trip was to Stone Mountain, Georgia. Um, we had a great time with the exception of that moment where 14 of us got stuck in an elevator. Literally for like 45 minutes. It was pretty bad. But we went to Stone Mountain. Did you know that Stone Mountain, the granite of Stone Mountain in Georgia, every single year gets bigger and bigger and bigger? Scientists are measuring this. 
And the reason it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year is when storms come through that part of Georgia, right in and around Stone Mountain, the storms and the wind and the rain erode away the dirt and the sand and the foundation at the bottom, not the top of Stone Mountain, so that it loses the bottom layer, giving it more granite. It's the storms that reveal and are revealing the foundation of Stone Mountain. The storms in our lives, if we will follow the example of Solomon and store up wisdom, it's the storms, it's the heartaches, it's the pain, it's the difficult situations that if we seek godly wisdom and we get it, the storms reveal, they reveal our foundation and what God wants to do with us. It's been said before, you don't know the strength or the goodness of a tea bag until it's dropped in hot water. Same is true for the heartaches that we find in our lives. So, as a nation, we have kind of been dropped in hot water. That's where we are. And I thought it'd be good for us to just gather around and talk about it. And before we do, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want to ask you at all of our campuses to choose in this very moment to believe the best about people. Yeah, that right there just struck a chord with you. Just look around you right now for just a moment and look at our family of faith at all of our campuses. For the people who are different from you, and that's everybody, by the way. <laughs> Who look different than you, act different than you, smell different than you, have different socioeconomic levels than you, come from different tracks than you. Choose to believe the best about them. And choose to believe the best about our leaders. been a horrible week it's been one of those defining weeks and if I just push pause for a moment by the way it hasn't just been a horrible week it's been a horrible month let us not forget Orlando less than a month ago then I could take you back to Ferguson I could take you to Baltimore our country's at a tipping point we're either going to come together, or I truly believe we're going to come apart at the seams. And it frightens me a little bit. I want to talk to you about race in America. Most everybody in here, you know Christ, you know the Bible. There's this thing in the Bible all the way back in Genesis called original sin. I firmly believe that America's original sin is racism. If I ever write a book on this, that's going to be the name. The book's going to have that title in it. America's original sin is racism. And if at any point in time, by the way, you start to push back on me today, if at any point in time you start to get mad at me today, I want to just go ahead and tell you right now, that's where you need to do some work. Hey, when you go to the doctor and you have that tender spot and the doctor starts probing and pushing and doing his thing and it's tender, it hurts. Learn to pay attention in life of those moments when things hurt, when things rile you, when you, when you start to get upset a little bit. You can call me wrong. We can agree to disagree. But I firmly believe America has struggled with an original sin, and that sin is racism. From moment one. I also want to just say to those here who are on the police force, and we have some incredible policemen in this church. And by the way, several of them have, several of them have, 
Several of them have texted me this morning to let me know that they're not going to be here because there's a protest going on in Durham right now. So they've been called in to work a protest. And please pray because protests are happening all over our country and they are very volatile. And I told them we would pray for them. But we have some incredible police officers in this church. There are wonderful police officers. And if we don't learn to respect wonderful police officers, and if we don't learn as a nation to come under the authority of governmental leaders, including police officers, that's going to be our undoing. You can't have a nation that doesn't have a strong police force. And most of us, me included, have no idea what they go through and what they're faced with. But in the same way that we have wonderful police officers, we have some evil police officers. And in the same way that we have wonderful civilians, we have evil civilians. I'm sick and tired of this pitting, if you will, you see it on, the, on, on social media like there's no tomorrow. If you even for a moment come into solidarity or support or question someone like the Alton Sterling murder that happened before us this week or the Philandro murder, if you, even, if you even consider that that was wrong, everybody starts to just assume that you hate all police officers. It's not true. There's good and there's bad on both sides of the equation. But racism is unfortunately still alive and well on planet Earth. And, and I used to think we were getting better and making progress. I'm not so sure anymore. We might be going backwards. Now, I'm not even so sure I stand by that because someone asked me this the other day. They said, um, when did they start, when did police officers start doing this? <laughs> and I thought, I've really thought, bless your heart. <laughs> and then I pointed at my phone. No, no, this has always been going on. What's bringing it to surface now is the fact that everybody carries around these smartphones. And everything is now starting to be exposed. Don't think that we're just all of a sudden going into this unchartered area before. Racism has been alive and well on planet Earth, and particularly in America, since its founding. Which makes me want to say to my brothers and sisters of color here, You are made in the image of God. See, the only way in which we're going to eradicate racism and make progress here is for every single person, black person, yellow person, orange person, white person, any person of color, to actually just start with the basics. And the basics is this. Imago Dei, God has made every single person in the image of God. So black person, black person, black person, you are beautifully made in the image of God. Beautifully made in the image of God. And don't you ever let anybody tell you differently. Brown person, you are beautifully made in the image of God. There's only one of you. And you are made by God. God formed you in your mother's womb. White person, you are beautifully made in the image of God. And until we all start to internalize that and learn that, deeply believe that, and let it override, let it trump some of our racial tendencies, then we're never going to make any progress here. And don't think you don't have racial tendencies. And don't think, by the way, racism is just a white person thing. Now, it has predominantly been so in America. I grew up in the Deep South, beloved. I grew up around racism. There were, there were KKK 
outposts in and around my hometown. I know we as white people have led the way in that. But I must tell you that as I look around at our nation today, I worry that if we're not careful, African-American person, hear me out, you might turn around and do the very same thing we did to you to somebody else. Everybody say, Imago Day. Everybody here is made in the image of God. And if you'll just start learning to, to see people that way, it makes all the difference in the world. Solomon kept referring to injustice in the Bible today. That you might give me a discerning heart that I might rule and reign with justice. Not only is racism an issue in our country individually, but make no mistake about it. There are systemic injustices and systemic racism in America. And if you don't, if you don't believe that, I don't really know what planet you're living on. As a white man, I have never had to deal with the things that my African American brothers and sisters have dealt with. As a white man who's been brought up in a very privileged position, I've never had to worry about the things that many of you folks have had to worry about. I've never had to have the talk with my children. And if you're an African American, you know exactly what I mean when I just said the talk. If you're here and you don't know what the talk is, just ask a brother and sister after the service. Y'all know I have, I have some really dear friends who are African-American and Latino and Asian. But, but I was talking to one of my African-American brothers the other day. Uh, it was actually when I was down in Charleston at St. Michael's Church. And we were just talking. And uh, we got to talking about police officers. This, this little vignette is going to be so telling for some of you. This is going to just gonna blow your mind as it, as it rocked me. I, I started talking about my upbringing. And I said to my brother, I said, man, when I was a kid... My parents told me that if I ever got lost or in trouble and saw a police officer, I should run to the police officer for help. And he goes, huh. <laughs> He goes, I was told when I was a kid, if I ever got lost and in trouble and I saw a police officer, I better run away from the police officer as fast as I could. So we in the privileged position, right here, me, white and a man. We in the privileged position, and I know things are changing with that, and sometimes you got things reversing these days. I get all that, but, but just by and large. Would do well to just try to put ourselves in the shoes of our brothers and sisters of color. And we should just try to remember on a regular basis that they are beautiful and wonderfully made as we are. Oh, here, here's something I wanted to talk to you about today. I hope this is okay with you. We're just circling up having a little, little talk here. Um, don't say this. This drives me crazy. Don't, don't say this. And normally... Don't say, we should all just try to learn to see people with colorblind eyes. See, I know your heart there, and I know, you, I know you have good intentions, but theologically, that's all jacked up. We, I, I don't need to learn to look at you with colorblind eyes as if we are all just some one homogenous color. No. If God had wanted us to be that way, that's how God would have made us. Imago Dei. Don't, 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 don't try to say, oh, let's just, let's just be colorblind and hold hands and sing kumbaya. No, we, we don't want to be colorblind. 
I want to see you in all of your color, whatever that is, white, black, brown. I want to see you in all of that and learn to honor your story and learn to honor who you are and learn to see beauty in you. As, as you should be able to do the same with me. So just nip that one in the bud. Take, take that out of the vocabulary. Um, colorblind, no. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to give you six quick things, and I'm going to try not to even comment on, on them much, but if you're a note taker, I would write, write this down. I want to give you six things that I think are wisdom for race in America. Wisdom for race in America. Here's the first one. Pray and seek wisdom now for the future of your country, and particularly around your New Hope campus. So the reason I'm saying it like this is, Pray and seek wisdom when? Now. Be like Solomon. Store it up now. We should pray like never before for our nation. We should pray like never before for our church. We should pray like never before for ourselves. That God would give us wisdom so that we can lead the way. And pray particularly for your area around your campus. Whatever campus you attend. Because here's what I'm afraid that I would probably prophetically declare over every campus is that sooner or later this is going to hit home. And we, will, we want to be like Solomon. We want to pray preemptively, proactively, so that we get this wisdom, so that when it happens we can, store, we, can, we can act, we can lead, we can serve, we can love. Can I get an amen? Number two, pray and ask God to give us godly leaders who expose and eradicate systemic injustices and racism in our nation it's a mouthful pray and ask God to give us godly leaders who expose and eradicate systemic injustices and racism in our nation we want to root it out and that takes courageous leadership this is a big one, y'all. This, this is probably going to be the one that's, that's most pertinent for you right now. Intentionally love across racial lines and stand up against any forms of injustice and racism. The key words are the first few words. Intentionally love across racial lines. I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but we're like one of the most racially diverse churches in the nation. Amen? How many of you have friends of color, though? Close friends. I love it. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Hands are popping up. We'll know we're getting there when we don't just worship with people who are different from us, but we actually befriend people who are different from us. Like we have life groups that are diverse and we go out with people who are different from us and we, we do life with intentionally love across racial lines. Let me get, let me get painstakingly practical. Speak to people out in public. Smile at people who are different from you. Just smile at people. And Mother Teresa who said, a smile is, is a gift to the person. Just smile. Yellow. <laughs> if, if that's God, tell him, tell him bring, it, bring the phone on up. If that's not, you push that button and just disregard that thing in the name of Jesus. Guys, just smile at people. People who look different than you. Open a door. for where, Where's common courtesy and manners in our culture anymore? Open a door for people, man. Let somebody go in front of you. Just Here's an idea. Just be nice. And when you come across those people, and you will, who are just freaking mean, Bo, they're just a snake. Don't return 
meanness with meanness. Just be nice. The Bible says overcome evil with good. Just, just be, and they'll, they'll like, they'll think something's wrong with you. Like, why is that person being so nice to me? Just be nice to people, man. And when you see somebody of, who's different from you, just realize this. They might be being a little cold to you or standoffish to you because they don't know if you hate them. I need to do a sermon series on this one day. Fifth one. Fourth one. Pray for all police officers. Thank you for keeping me straight. Somebody on the front row said, no, no, no. <laughs> Four. Don't you go to five. <laughs> Thank you for paying attention, brother. Here's number four. Pray for our police officers and intentionally reach out and let them know we love and support them. Campus pastors, do that in your, in your towns, in your cities. I'm going to do it here. Durham just got a new police chief. Reach out to them. Let them know we love them. Let them know we support them. Let them know we have no idea how tough their job is, but we're praying for them. And if they ever need anything, New Hope Church is here. Because, by the way, that takes us to number five. Brother, we okay to go on to number five? Five, get involved in church because God has positioned New Hope to make a difference for such a time as this. I believe that. I believe that in the marrow of my bones. I believe that. So if you have a heart for this kind of stuff, why aren't you involved in the church? Not just sitting here worshiping. Like, why aren't you serving? Why aren't you involved every single Sunday at every single campus? By the way, our campuses are diverse like we are too, praise God. Every single Sunday and at every single campus, we are doing something very countercultural. Every single Sunday, we are saying to our areas and the world that we can exist together regardless of skin color and actually love one another deeply. That, that is countercultural. That is a witness. And if I might say so myself, our world desperately needs that witness. So why don't you get involved with us? Why don't you reach in the chair pocket right now and pull out a connect card and just write on it here to serve. I want to get involved. I want, because there's many reasons to serve the church, but here's a big one. I want to be on the front lines of that church because for such a time as this, God has uniquely, and I don't know why, church, God has uniquely picked you and he has uniquely picked me to be a witness in the world and lead the way in racial reconciliation. So why don't you get off the, the sidelines and step on the playing field and join us because there's lots of work to be done. Just say here to serve. You say, I don't know where you'll put me in. We'll call you. We'll get, you, we'll get in touch with you about where you want to serve. Here's the, here's the sixth one, and I'm done. And I mean this sincerely. Please, please pray for me. For many years now, I've sensed deep in my spirit that this is a unique part of my calling. And then now that I'm on the Gideon 300 and I was asked just the other day while I was on vacation to join in a conference call to talk about these events that have happened this week. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what all this means. But I know that if God is doing this here, then God has uniquely and is uniquely calling me to help lead the way and be a voice of racial reconciliation in this world. And so I need your prayers for wisdom and discernment and leadership. I want us to... Um,
I want us to do something together as we end today. Please don't leave. We're going we're to we're do a creed together. See, creeds are powerful because creeds bring us all together. And there's an Apostles Creed and there's a Nicene Creed and there's several other creeds. But the Nicene Creed is very cool. And the reason I picked it today, it's, it's, it's plural. The Apostles Creed is I believe. The Nicene Creed is we believe. And it's, it's the creed uh, that was formulated in, during the Nicene Council in the 4th century, a long, long time ago. The church kind of crafted this to, to capture what we believe, what the Bible says and all of that. And creeds have been recited and spoken together in the church for, well, 2,000 years now, basically. Here's a chance for us to stand up in the midst of a very challenging week, to stand together in all of our beautiful diversity and declare what we believe. And then we're going to go right from that into praying over missionaries. And here's the dot I want to connect for you. This is why we go into the world. This is why we minister to our neighbors. This is why we invite people to church. This is why we give resources to the church. This is why we do what we do. It's to get the gospel out because we firmly believe that the gospel changes lives. We firmly believe that there is only one hope in the world and his name is Jesus. And if we get Jesus out there and we get people to experience Jesus and we get people to read the Bible and encounter authentic, authentic, faithful Christianity, then God is the one who changes hearts and lives that's why we do what we do this stuff matters church so here's here's the three final elements and I'm gonna ask that we stay at, at, at our campuses until we finish these three I'm gonna ask the missionaries to come forward now and just stand behind me and I want the campuses to experience this because they represent our campuses and then I want to invite the campus pastors to stand up at their campus location so they can lead in this moment. These folks are going to um, Appalachia and they're going to Kenya. I want to show you a little footage of what's going down in Kenya these days. I told you about the revival, but it is, it is unbelievable what's happening in Kenya. Look at this church, y'all. In Kenya, they're packed. Watch them, watch it, watch it. Woohoo! You're going to see somebody yodel in a minute. Watch this. He's going to yodel. We need to get us some yodeling up here. He's yodeling or yawning. Watch this. Here it comes. Here it comes. Wait for it. 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 Come on. Come on. Yodel. Yodel. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, look at that move. Watch you. There it is. You see that? That was a yawn or a yodel. I told Pastor Fuller we need to get some yodeling up in here. He said, nah, that's all right. They're packing the house in Kenya. This church we started a few years ago. They are packing the house and people are encountering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is good. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. At all of our campuses, can we give it up for these missionaries? Look at this beautiful, beautiful group of people. Wow. And I, some of you already stood up. I love that. I, I'm going to ask us all to stand up. I'm going to ask us all to stand up at all of our campuses. And I'm going to ask us to do something that I would typically not ask us to do. Because I'm just not that kind of guy. I'm going to ask us to hold hands with the person beside us. Don't worry, we're not going to sing Kumbaya. Oh, I love how y'all are crossing aisles. Absolutely. Hold a hand. Hold a hand. Y'all got hands up there. Let's declare our faith together in all of its plurality. And let's pray over these missionaries. And then let's sing this song about there's one thing. There's one thing that we're going to strive for as a church. Are we ready? Let's go. Nicene Creed. Go. We believe in one God. Come on, church. The Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, 
light from light. True God from true God, begotten, not made. Of the same essence as the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. Let's continue. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son and is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life everlasting. Amen, amen, and amen. Don't clap because I want you to keep your hands together. Keep holding hands. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this church that you have positioned us for such a time as this to lead this nation with other beautiful bodies of Christ towards racial reconciliation. To be a people, oh God, to realize that you are the creator of us all. That you have given us all unique beauty and characteristics and an ability to love. So Father, we continue to spread this gospel out to the four corners of the world. God, we thank you for these missionaries who are going on our behalf to Appalachia and to Kenya. Father, would you bless them? Would you anoint them from the very crown of their heads, oh, Father God, to the soles of their feet? Would you bless and transform everything that they touch and everything that they say, Lord, that they would spread gospel seeds in these two areas, that people would come to faith in Christ. Father, we thank you for what you are doing at New Hope, Kenya. We thank you for the reports and the revival. Would you continue to do so, and would you get all the glory and the honor and the praise? Father, we love you today. Give us the wisdom of Solomon. Give this church, Lord God, I pray that you would give me a discerning heart. God, that we would lead and bless you. God, I pray that America would not just say, God bless America, but that we would be a country that blesses you, that America would bless you. Lord, we need a revival in this nation. We pray for our political leaders. We pray for the presidential election that is coming up. Father, we pray for police officers. Father, we pray for civilians of all color. God, may we experience the love of the gospel. May this church lead the way in that. We'll give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. That is due your name. For we worship you today. We praise you. We honor you. We celebrate you. In Jesus' name. And the beautiful people of New Hope said together, amen. 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 Now you can praise him. Oh, that sounds good, church. All colors. You guys are good. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Going to turn it over to the campus pastors who will lead you as we get to this final song of the day. We love you guys, and we know that God is with you today. As they're leaving the stage, I'm going to invite the band to come on out and get us into this final song. I want you to sing it maybe like you've never sung before. We've picked it intentionally. I pray it will be a declaration for you and for us as a church to declare before Almighty God that we know that there is only one thing, one thing, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that He is our hope, He is our salvation, He is our peace, and it is in Him that we live and move and have our very being. Come on, let's worship Him today, church. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org and we would love to pray for you. 
If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast. And thanks for being a part of our church family.